The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing information of special interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, an update from the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. Welcome to the holiday edition of ACB Reports for December 2019. Whether you are attending a technical college, an entering college freshman, undergraduate, or graduate student, the American Council of the Blind has a great opportunity for students who are legally blind to earn a scholarship. Over $55,000 in scholarships are awarded by the organization each year. To be eligible for these scholarships, a student must be legally blind, maintain a 3.0 grade point average, and be involved in your school and local community. As a scholarship winner, you will experience firsthand the National Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind in July 2020. There, you will meet other students who share the same life experiences, create lasting friendships, and network with individuals who understand the challenges you are going through. Scholarship applications may be submitted online until 11.59 p.m. Central Standard Time on Friday, February 14, 2020. To begin the application process, all interested candidates must register for a new ACB account. After the account request has been approved, candidates will receive an email which contains a link to complete the scholarship application. For information about setting up the account or about the available scholarships, contact Nancy Fila in the ACB National Office at 800-866-3242. That's 800-866-3242. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. Karen Kenninger is the director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, formerly known as the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, in Washington, D.C. During the conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind in July of this year, She discussed several accomplishments and goals for the National Library Service, including a pending name change, which became effective on October 1st. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity once again to give my very favorite speech of the whole year, and that is to this group. You are always so enthusiastic, and I love coming. (laughs) Woohoo! So basically what's happening at the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped these days? 
When I first came to NLS seven years ago now, we did about 2,000 talking books a year and about three to 400 Braille books a year. This year, we're going to do 5,000 talking books. I'm really excited about that. The way we're, um, we're doing the latest commercial titles, the ones on the top sellers list, we're able to do those very, very quickly and get them out when everybody else is getting them out. Part of the thing that we are doing in order to increase the number of titles, though, is that our system was built for 2,000 titles. So we would put 2,000 titles on cartridges and send them out to the network libraries. We're changing our paradigm sort of gradually, but in order to accommodate 5,000 titles, some of those titles will be only on BARD. Now, we will have the same number of titles on cartridges that we have had traditionally. So we'll have about the 2,000 at least probably more on cartridges and announced in talking book topics and Braille book review. But we will have additional titles that are on BARD that will need to be gotten from there. So how do you go about that? Well, if you're a BARD user, how many of you are BARD users? How many of you would like to be BARD users? All right. Excellent, excellent. So we're putting some of the older titles on BARD, filling in some of the series, some of that sort of thing. Um, we also have about six or 7,000 locally produced titles on BARD that we don't have in Talking Book Topics. Those are books that are done by some of the network libraries. Um, Massachusetts has a lot of them on there, Montana, Washington, Texas. Um, many, many of our states have an, a lot of titles on there that are done in their local studios. Um, so those are great. Those are also um, on BARD. How do we get the people who aren't on BARD access to those titles that are on BARD? Well, one of the things that we're doing to accommodate this increase in titles is moving our libraries to what we're calling duplication on demand. Duplication on demand is basically a system whereby the library says, oh, I see that Karen Kenninger is wanting these next seven books. I'm going to put them all on one cartridge and send them to her. So you have multiple books on a cartridge, rather than having the customized one book, one cartridge me mentality that we've had before, and you're able to get exactly the books that you want, and you can get as many as you want. And of course, you can send it back when you're done and get more books. We know that one of the problems that people were struggling with was that with multiple books on a cartridge, some people weren't able to find the second book. Um, didn't realize how all that worked. So we're doing what we can to spread the word about that. But we also made a change to the talking book machine system so that if you read a book to the end, you will get a notification that says, press enter to go to the next book. Or not enter, it's actually play. And if you decide you don't want to do that now, then the next time you turn that talking book machine on or use that cartridge, you'll get that same message so that you'll be able to go from one book streaming right into the next book without having to use the bookshelf function. The bookshelf function is alive and well, and for those who are comfortable using it, it works very well. But we know that this was an important thing. So um, try that out if, um, if you're on your talking book machine. If you're not updated, if you don't get magazines, or if your library is not one of our duplication on demand libraries yet, you may not have this function on your machine, but you can get it downloaded and added. And we are encouraging everybody to use BARD if you can, because this is where all the books are and all, all the magazines. So if you can find a way to use BARD, that's wonderful. 
Um, you'll have more access to as many things as you can possibly, well, probably not as you could possibly want. As Fred was saying earlier, we have a you know, worldwide system to um, work through, but at, at NLS, we're doing the best that we can anyway. Um, we're also working on streamlining Braille production. Why? We don't do enough Braille books, and my mandate is we've got to find a better way of getting them produced for two reasons, one of which is we should have more Braille. We should have it easier to use, and we should have it readily accessible. Well, Braille has been on the back burner for many years, but it is not anymore. So one of the things that you've probably heard me talk about is a Braille e-reader. That would be like a refreshable Braille device that you could read talking books on. And I'm here to tell you that after seven years of struggle... <laughs> We are on the cusp of being able to introduce Braille e-readers to the NLS program. Now, where we are is that we have contracts to develop two um, Braille e-readers. Uh, the contracts are on hold at the moment, but they'll be sprung very quickly, I think. And we will be able to move forward. There's some um, development that has to happen. So it's going to take a while. One of the things I have learned working for the federal government is nothing happens quickly. <laughs> but it does happen if you are persistent, and we have been very persistent. So we will be developing the prototypes this year. We expect that by next year we will have, a, a, be next spring to summer, we will have a pilot in place. Now the pilot is actually going to be limited to a few of our Braille lending libraries at the beginning because we have to make sure that the distribution system works, that the training and technical support are in place and working properly, that the maintenance process are all, all in place. So, and besides, we don't have enough funding to do everything. So we're going to do these pilots initially. We have asked Congress for additional funding for the next five years to buy about mm, 3,500 of them a year. We're, it's going to be a fairly slow ramp up. Our records show that we have about 42,000 Braille readers. Um, some of those Braille readers already have their own devices and probably won't be waiting for this one, but some of them will. So it's going to take a while to, to build it up. But if we get the funding we've asked for from Congress, and we will be getting it with your help for supporting that request, um, we will be able to move that program forward more quickly. So our 2020 20, through 2024 budgets, we've asked for $2.375 million per year to buy additional Braille e-readers. So what's our Braille e-reader e -reader gonna be? Well, it's not going to be the highly functional note taker that I'm using to read my notes on. It's going to be intended to read NLS books initially. So it will render BRF and TXT files and PEF files, which we don't see much of here. It will also have upgradable software so that we'll be able to make um, changes to it going forward. It will have 20 cells and it'll have eight dot cells. It will have a Perkins style keyboard for data input. It'll have search functions. It'll have a bookshelf function. It'll have a bookmark function. It'll have a Bluetooth connectivity so that people with um, iPhones or laptops will be able to connect it and use it as a Braille display or as a Braille input device. 
it will have internal storage for standalone functioning so that you don't have to have it hooked up to anything. And it'll also have wireless connectivity so that you would be able to go directly to BARD to download your Braille books. Titles will be distributed either through direct download or initially on cartridges that you would connect to the device, just like the talking book cartridges. It will not have an onboard note-taking capability, and it will not have onboard text-to-speech. So that's our product that we're working on, on developing and that we should be able to get out to our um, pilot libraries by next summer. Hard copy Braille will continue to be produced in the near future. In time, we will also develop a new Braille format that is navigable like the talking book format so that when you put it in your Braille e-reader, you'd be able to move around it with the same facility that you can a talking book. I think that's really important. I've gotten really used to it. And in time, I think hard copy Braille will be on demand rather than just automatic. But this is over time. We're looking at several years of implementation. A second exciting thing that we are doing, and this has been a long time coming as well, because we're feds, is that we are changing our name slightly. And I'm very happy about that because for seven years I have heard people complaining loudly about the term handicapped in our title. And we're taking it out. We also think that our new title is going to represent the people that we serve a little better because we're going to be more user-centered with not just blind, but also with print disabled. Print disabled is a term that has been introduced in the last few years, kind of through the Marrakesh Treaty, and it's going to be more inclusive of the people that we will be serving in the future, which I'll talk about in a minute. The Library of Congress has a real focus these days on user-centered everything, and that seems pretty normal to us because we've always been, I think, very user-centered, but the library has been a research institution, and they wouldn't let me make a change to a name that wasn't user-centered, which is okay. And the term blind is staying in the title because this is our program, and we want everybody to know it. So the new title will be the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. And we are hoping to roll that out in October. We've got to get some visual identity stuff done, which might hold it up a little. But um, this fall or January, we're definitely going to get this done. So I'm happy about that. Images are something that has always been a little bit out of reach for us. You know, when you've got a picture in a book or you've got a a map or a whatever. And NLS has traditionally not done a whole lot about that. I admit that. Um, but we're looking at doing more of that. We are looking at, for our custom narrated material, of having much better image descriptions than we have had in the past. And I just wanted to let you know that I wanted to make a public statement so all my people understand we really are going to move forward to having more of that. We have done a couple of things and looking at what it's going to take. One of the things that we just now finished is Dungeons and Dragons, the handbook. I don't know if anybody here is a Dungeons and Dragons person, but um, the handbook is now available on BARD for download and on cartridge, or will be on cartridge. And um, Marty's doing a fabulous job with all of these games. Dungeons and Dragons is one that's been around for a long time and it's very text-based, so we're able to do that, including some of the, the images in it. 
So we're looking at better ways of doing images, both for Braille and for audio. We're looking at legislative changes. The Marrakesh Treaty Implementation Act amended the Chafee Amendment in October of last year, and it made some changes in the definitions that govern copyright exceptions. One of the changes that it made was to change the definition of eligibility or an eligible person to match what's in the Marrakesh Treaty. So basically that is a person who is blind, a person who is visually or perceptually disabled, or a person who has a physical disability. They have taken that eligibility requirement away from what it used to be, which was to say, well, whatever NLS says is it. That's changed. It has also changed the term specialized formats to accessible format. What does that mean? It means that when we have always looked at specialized format, we're saying Braille is a specialized format. Our talking books are in a way that nobody else can play them. That makes them a specialized format. Accessible format means a broader option for our program going forward. So in time, we will be looking at probably text-based EPUBs, and we'll be looking at other things as well. That'll, that'll take some time, though. It's also changed or defined authorized entities, which includes our network libraries, it includes NLS, it includes a lot of non-NLS-related organizations in the United States, as well as around the world. The Lutheran Braille Organization, the Jewish Braille Institute, the Xavier Society, all of those would now be technically authorized entities, as well as student disabilities offices and universities. So that's a change. And the other big change in the Marrakesh Treaty Implementation Act is that it has allowed import and export of materials across borders. That is the very big thing about it. The legislation that we're looking for is to conform NLS's legislation to the Marrakesh Treaty Implementation Act, including their new definitions and the ability to import and export. Because right now, although we can import, we can't export in any big way because of the fact that um, our funding legislation says that we only serve residents of the United States. So we're asking for the legal authority to export digital materials and to work from organization to organization. The new legislation will preserve priority for blind and veterans in case there's a sh any kind of shortage. And it formalizes uh, what we've been doing for years, which is serving U.S. citizens living abroad. It broadens our ability to get music by taking away the requirement for permission. And it gets rid of terms like handicapped and organic dysfunction, which is a good thing. The new bill does not have a number yet. It's being considered by the Senate Rules Committee and the uh, Congressional Budget Office is looking at it. Um, so we will let everybody know when a bill, a number gets assigned to it so that we can move it forward and get with all of your help. Because as you are well aware, it's your help that helps us to get what we need for our program. So one of the things that Fred mentioned is the Marrakesh Treaty itself, and this would allow us to participate in the Marrakesh Treaty, but until it does, we are kind of stuck. Initially, we will continue to work through a project that we've been working through to get some things for specific requests, but it will be on a fairly small scale until we can ramp up and get the permission. We know that in a lot of the, the um, libraries around the country, for example, we have a great need for more Spanish material and Russian, Mandarin, Cantonese, Vietnamese, a lot of different languages that would serve our immigrant populations better than what we can do now. 
There's also out there in the world a great interest in our collection because, frankly, we have the best English collection in the world, probably the best collection in the world, the biggest and the highest quality. So there's a lot of people waiting for us to be able to export. <laughs> we'll have to manage that, I guess. So what's happening in the future at NLS? The digital talking book machine was introduced in 2009, which is 10 years ago now. It's been great. Having digital talking books that we can download from BARD has been fabulous, and we've got you know, our apps and all of that. But the next generation of talking books is going to be based on digital devices with digital distribution. What that digital device exactly looks like, I do not know. We will be doing a lot of testing of concepts in the next year or so to see what works for people, primarily for our biggest population, which is our older folks. We'll be looking at whether they can use a talking book machine effectively the way that many of us use Alexa or Google Home, basically talk to it and, make, and get it to do what we want it to do. So we'll be looking at voice user interfaces. We'll be looking at what types of devices make sense. The kind of idea at this point is something that looks like a lockdown smartphone, but um, that's also got to be tested. But the idea that we will have digital connectivity, that it will be part of an Internet of Things, I think is a given. So that's going to be a revolution in terms of how we receive our books, how our libraries help us get our books, and all of that. Um, we're doing a Gallup survey. We've done one Gallup survey. We're working on a couple of others in the, the next several months to figure out who's got Wi-Fi in their homes. Who would need to have cell service provided to them for this particular purpose? And then we're trying to figure out, we are working to figure out, we will figure out, uh, ways of funding digital distribution so that if a person does not have Wi-Fi, does not have any cell connectivity, but is a member of the NLS program, that person would be provided a lockdown device that would be able to be used through the cell network for digital distribution of talking books. That's the idea right now. I think we'll find funding. We're looking at a couple of different options. This is going to be a radical change, and a lot of the people that we serve are not going to want it. Frankly, a lot of the people that we serve didn't want a, a digital talking book machine either. And the cassette machine has had a very long tail. I think we're mostly done with it, but we still see a few out there, and we still see some circulation of cassettes. Some people don't like to make changes. This change will not be the kind of quick rollover that we tried to do with the digital talking book machine. Um, it's going to be a, a phased rollout that will take, I think, a few years to complete. So people who want their talking book machines are going to be able to keep them. Um, but we are looking at this change in definition, and this change in definition of the people that we serve, including this perceptual disability thing, that's sort of like dyslexia and whatnot. And that is going to increase the number of people that we serve. It's going to be easier for people with dyslexia to sign up for NLS. It's also going to require that we serve possibly twice as many people as we do now. So it's going to be really important that we have a less expensive and more efficient way of providing that service. And we kind of expect that people who are sighted who come into the program under these other issues would be able to use their own devices or whatever. So having a good digital program is going to be critical in order for us to be able to meet everybody's needs. We think that the talking book machine will probably remain 
to be used primarily for blind people. But this digital device that we have yet to completely identify is going to be something for everyone. These are the main things that are happening at NLS. That's kind of a broad sweep of things. We have a lot of other things going on. They're looking at moving us to a different location and some other things like that. But basically, this is where we are. We are anxious to hear from you as to what your ideas are with regard to these things. And I look forward to hearing from you in the future. So thank you all very much. That was Karen Kenninger, director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled in Washington, D.C. In an October 1st statement regarding the name change, Ms. Kenninger said in part, Earlier this year, NLS received approval from the Librarian of Congress to change our name. NLS and the Library of Congress sought input on this change from stakeholder groups and gathered data through various public channels when considering our new moniker. As of October 1, 2019, our name is officially National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. We will continue to be referred to by the abbreviation NLS. With this name change, we intend to address the use of outdated language in our old name and more clearly communicate the breadth of those we serve. In addition, our name emphasizes the patron-centric perspective that is central to the library's strategic plan. We feel that the new name, as with all of NLS's work, rightly puts the emphasis on the people we serve. That's our program for this month. On behalf of the American Council of the Blind, may the holidays you celebrate be filled with the warmth and happiness that only friends and family can provide. been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. ACB Reports.